Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Doctor, look. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Doctor Homebrew. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Doctor Homebrew. We're back with another episode and some more homebrew because you know what? That's what we do. It's in the name of the show. It's what we do. And uh, we're here from it, or we're here for it, rather. And uh, with me, as always, Brian Cooper and Brian Shar, two both uh, national uh, BJCP judges. They've actually <laughs> I just, certified. Yeah, certified I just <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just got an email from Gordon Strong. <laughs> You've both been demoted um, for for not bringing sexy back and uh, quick enough. So I'm, I'm working sorry. on uh, certified level two. I want you to know, and I'm, <laughs> I'm going for my Cicerone server. No. Yeah, no, no, I think no. you should, man. Very good. I'm no. trying try to unlearn everything I've learned. So uh, that's a whole thing. I got to unwind uh, time. Start back no, with kidding. the basics. Yeah, what exactly. Is, what is beer? What is this beer thing we're talking about today? Well, it's a solid, and it's <laughs> typically dried <it's> powder, <laughs> and then you know, and then we go from there. Uh, anyway, before we get to today's guest, I want to thank our show sponsor, Five Star Chemicals. You can go to fivestarchemicals.com. Do it right now. You can do it at any time. And I think that's part of this Web 3.0 I hear so much about. Um, it's You don't have to. There's not a certain time that you go to the website. You can go to the website at like 3 in the morning if you want. It doesn't matter. It's open basically 24 hours a day. And what you can do there is learn about cleaning and sanitizing it ingredients that they have over at five star chemicals they produce over there they blend they manufacture they do all sorts of fun stuff make these chemicals so you can have clean and sanitary home brewing equipment at your house to make your you know cider and your beer and your wine and all of that kind of fun stuff while you're over there be sure to sign up for five stars free homebrew club program in one of the links in today's show description of the podcast or on youtube to receive free product, exclusive discount, monthly educational seminars, and free swag. Yeah. All right. Welcome to the show, Andy. What's going on, guys? Thanks What's for up, me. dude? Yeah, thanks for joining us. Hey. So I don't have any of your beer, and I want to know why. I demand I demand an answer. Cooper, what happened? You you got you got drunk in one night and I well, I'll blame Justin, I guess. Nice. You can just do that, right? Okay. Yeah, Throw yeah. Him under the bus. Absolutely. Blame whoever's not here on the show right now. Correct. Right. So we had recorded our June shows, and uh, we were, you know, I was the only one of us going to HomerCon. And uh, so Andy was messaging with me. He said he did have a beer and he was going to bring something. And I thought, you know, maybe we could do something with it and record there. And I, you know, talked to Justin, and he was like, yeah, sure, we can do something. He's going to have a little small setup, and we're going to maybe try to hook up at club night and do this. Andy brought us beers. We found each other. We were ready to go. But then it's club night and we're all running around, (laughs) you know, me and my blue like wig with my goggles and my lab coat being me. And uh, which I'm sure was really uh, not warm at all. Taste like some booths just had ciders and some just had oh. you know, meads and they're just like God that sounds great um, amazing like it was so much fun it, you know people were licking each other it was hedonistic you know what? the germs were flying everywhere now I'm just trying to scare JP sorry there was not very much licking going on <laughs> well that now now I now I don't feel like I missed out I, I kind of threw up on my mouth a little bit thinking about a bunch <laughs> of homebrewers licking each other. No, it was just, it was good to be back. It was really yeah. good to be back. I just decided not to worry about the whole thing too much. I'm boosted, whatever. If sure. I get, sick, I get sick. And a number of people did get sick coming back. Yeah. Well, that's um, how we should handle the pandemic. It's just not worry know, about it anymore. Fuck it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did three days of judging. And uh, after that, I was ready to cut loose a little bit. So club night yeah. was kind of a nice release. And that was a lot of fun connecting with Andy again and just kind of, you know, tasting beers around with people and uh, cool. It was good. Good to be there. All right. So we only have two bottles. 
Cooper, you got one. Shar, you got one. I will be drinking um, my new favorite drink, bitters and soda. This is an Earl Grey flavor. It's from a company called Green Bar Distilleridge. I'm just going to give a quick shout out. If you can't, you can't really see it. They're great. I don't know, man. I like Earl Grey tea, and it tastes like Earl Grey, and I love it. And then, of course, I'll be chasing with a Modelo. That's what I'm going to be doing, in case anybody really gives a shit. But, right. Andy, what are what are the boys uh, drinking from, from you? It's a pale ale, right? It is a pale ale. That's nice. Right. All right. I like how I asked you and then answered my question for you. <laughs> so that's just what happened right there. Uh, is this something you've made before? I'm imagining everybody's made at least a pale ale a couple times. Yeah, uh, so I have, and it was actually a strategic decision not to give any more than two bottles so you couldn't have any. Damn. Because last time, so uh. you, you might not remember, last time I was on the show, you just talked smack about uh, my pale ale and <laughs> how it wasn't really a pale ale, so uh, I didn't want you to have any. Oh, okay. Well, look, oh, that's um, cold. I, oh, I man, don't really remember that because um, it, it's not the only one that's ever you know, <laughs> been lied to about that before. Um, but you know what? I don't blame you at all. And um, hopefully, uh, hopefully I will be the one feeling left out. It depends on the scores. If you get, if you get anything under a 35, then I won't feel bad. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, Mr. Shar, why don't you start us off here? Well, I certainly will. All right. So Andy, thank you for sending this beer. I appreciate that. Uh, and I have to ask, because I ask everyone, are you in a homebrew club? Yeah, I'm in the uh, Clarksville Carboys, uh, Clarksville, Tennessee. And uh, a little plug, uh, New South Brew Off is our big yearly competition, and uh, entries uh, open up here in a couple weeks. So for anyone out there listening, uh, go ahead and uh, send your entries in. There you go. Absolutely. Very cool. Is there a website or someplace I would find out about the New South Brew Off? Yeah, uh, I don't... Brian just sounded Google it. You'll find it. Brian, just Google, Google New it. South Brew Off, and you'll be able to get it. Cool. Brian sounded yeah. like the uh, the automatic voice on TikTok that reads your text. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a web page I can find out about the New South Brew Off? Oh, man, yeah, that's uh, such an annoying TikTok voice. I hate that voice so much. And it's so well, annoying. It's yours, man. And thank you that make that make me think that I, I sound like that. You're welcome. I gotta reevaluate my life choices here. Yeah. What uh, is this TikTok thing you guys? We all do, about? man. It's Chinese spyware. It's fine. You're ticking and talking. It's the kids like it, and like my wife watches TikTok a lot, and it's just people like the TikTok. You don't stop. All right. Exactly. Let's do it. All right. Uh, American Pale Ale, the bottle was appropriate. I checked. It was a bottle. It was appropriately sized, capped, fill level, label removed. Uh, aroma. Uh, initial impression I got was uh, medium hop aroma, uh, low malt aroma, kind of like a two-row. And what's interesting, uh, and I've let this sit out for probably a couple hours since I judged this, and it's not super, super warm in my house or anything, I, I don't what I my, my perception of the flavor has changed a little bit, but not not the aroma. Uh, no diacetyl, no off aromas. Uh, the hop aroma has a, sort of a spicy and tropical character. Uh, it's very pleasant. Gave it eight out of twelve. Appearance three out of three. It's golden color. It's crystal clear. Uh, Medium size head with very long head retention. Uh, flavor. Uh, initially, malt makes the first impression, along with a low hop flavor that seems kind of tropical and, and juicy, if I could use that, that characteristic of juicy. Uh, what's interesting is it warms up as I get more uh, like a hint of almost like a Vienna as well as a two-row. So uh, it's a little more, little more complex malt character uh, as it warms. Uh, bitterness comes up to balance in the mid-palate. Uh, it's well-attenuated. The uh, finish is long and balanced uh, between malt and bitterness. Uh, and one of the things, I'm, I'm going to take just a second here to sip this again. There was an, an initial flavor at the very beginning that I thought, it's just part of the malt. But I came back to it earlier, and I'm coming back to it again now, and I'm, I'm getting this also again. Uh, like an earthy hop flavor component that it's almost can be mistaken for malt. Uh and they they blend together really well, and there was something when I, I had first judged this that I'm like this. There's something more here than just malt. I wonder what's going on. Uh, and to me, I think it is like an earthy hop, and perhaps a little bit of additional malt complexity. I'll be curious how wrong I am later on. <laughs> <laughs> Flavor is a, I give it 13. 
uh, mouthfeel, uh, medium body, medium carbonation, no warming, no astringency, more perky than creamy, five out of five. Uh, overall impression, seven for a total of 36, which is very good. Uh, this is a really flavorful and well-made beer. I like it a lot. Uh, the only thing I might change, there's no technical flaws that I could find. Uh, the only thing I could think of to change is maybe switching up the flavor hops so they stand out a little bit more from the malt and you know, and are showcased a little bit more. But by and large, hey, 36 is very good, and it's an excellent beer. Uh, and I think I thank you for uh, for sharing it with us. There you go. All right, Cooper. Okay. Yeah, um, I'll echo a fair amount of what Brian said there. Um, opening the bottle, the fill was dry, had a nice hiss. Um, I judged it on the colder side because I had to kind of rush home and judge it. And again, this was not um, not at all Andy's fault for having to send it just two bottles. And I like normally we get two of each beer. He's like, I'll, I'll mail you a bunch of beers. I go, well. Well, let's we'll make do with this and, and judge it for yeah for what it is. It'll be all right. We can go Abused back to the old days. In my suitcase, coming back from Pittsburgh. Hey, ironically, um, it probably traveled better than most of the beers we get from the East Coast. Um, so possibly, it's fine. Yeah. Well, I won't tell you what we did with it in our hotel room, but yeah. <laughs> um, aroma wise, as a citrusy hop aroma up front, with a light earthy tone beneath that. Uh, just some slight caramel and a light bready malt quality, even though it's a very, very light in color. I kind of felt like I got a little malt complexity, like Brian's saying. Um, asters are pretty low and in check. Uh, there's no DMS or diacetyl. It's actually pretty clean. But I'd say just the beer is just a bit muted overall, but otherwise it's clean. There's something that that earthy hop is kind of poking out a little heavy there. And that was kind of interesting. Um, but some citrus too. Um so I would be curious about the aroma hops that were used. Uh, gold-colored beer with slight, just a slight hop haze. It's fairly, it's it's actually fairly clear. You could give it full points for uh, for appearance, and I, although hop haze is definitely forgivable, there's just a tiny bit of it here. Uh, mostly finer bubbles stuck around fairly well in the head, uh, nice and tight on the top there. Fine bubbles, good uh, flavor-wise. It comes in with a slightly kind of rough edged like a little bit of a bitterness that hits first and then the, fl- the hop flavor is a little bit underneath that and it's earthy again and kind of vaguely citrusy um still the beer is balanced the hops as a pale ale should be uh seems cleanly fermented a good you know good ale like character um finishes semi-dry it's kind of in the territory it should be it dries off when you get the hops um but it's a lightly bitter aftertaste. The bitterness kind of clings on uh, and it's low malt again with kind of a bready and a, a light, maybe caramel or maybe a little toast. I'm wondering if I'm getting any oxidation in this or, or not. I know the bottle, well, we got it in June from him and uh, how long before that it was bottled, uh, you know, maybe a week before that. So it's been in the bottle for a little while, but uh, if you're careful, that should be okay. Uh Mouthfeel-wise, medium, light-bodied. With uh, I'm getting maybe a slight astringency in there. I shouldn't say maybe. I just felt like I got a little astringency probably from the hops. Uh, there's no creaminess. It's uh, medium carbonation as hoped. That's nice to the style. Uh, no warmth. You wouldn't really want a big warmth in here. So, you know, mouthfeel-wise is fairly in the territory there. Just the astringency is like pulling it back a little bit. Um, overall, it's a good interpretation of American Pale Ale. I'm just trying to decide what what I do to abuse it. Was it no? We, I I do admit we got it back. And like I dragged the bag back from club night. No, actually, I did not even. I like went back the next day, and that the club that we had left it at, a uh, couple beers left there in a bat of the bag. I was like, oh yeah, I need to grab that. And um, so it, it was warm for a while and it was warm on the trip home. Obviously I put it in my fridge as soon as I could, but uh, you do what you can. Man. Yeah. It did what you're, I could. you're really making people excited to send beers to Dr. Homebrew. <laughs> yes. We will abuse your beer. With the, yeah. Can you tell yeah. Cooper's a salesman by trade? So I'm wondering if it's just, <laughs> if, if it's, you know, could be that the beer itself is a little bit aged and slightly long on the tooth or else if there's a touch of oxidation creeping in either from the bottling or, 
in the original beer that's kind of dulling things because it has that impression of a beer that's just it's like not like cardboard or paper but it's just something's coming in that's slightly dulling it and i can tell that probably those hop flavors that are there were a little fresher and brighter when it was first uh brewed and poured from the keg um or i couldn't i didn't look if it was bottle condition but probably not it's probably from a keg i'm guessing um so yeah i would just say advice would be you know up the fresh late hop additions use slightly different uh, hops to kind of brighten it up and get get more citrusy or you know, Brian got a little tropical. He said, I'm, I wasn't really getting that, but it'd be interesting to know what the hop is. And, I, uh, I think I was reaching a little bit Coop. And I, I did get, I was wondering if there was maybe just a hint of oxidation. It was not cardboard or paper <laughs> or honey. And I wondered maybe at the front end, if I was getting maybe a little bit of oxidation and that may still be ultimately what I was getting. That might be what we're both picking up is kind of earthiness. You know, it's, mm. it's like, it's not yeah. too far distance, I guess. It's like the dullness, the, the earthy, like a nice bright citrusy hop can turn. If you let a beer sit overnight on, on a counter and, you know, put it in your fridge and try to drink it the next day, it's just all that fresh hop stuff is just gone. You can't really drink it anymore. It's not going to be the same at all. And even just a little bit of oxygen in the beer, despite our best efforts to to bottle and and do it cleanly and and do clean transfers, it's as a home brewer without the you know purging the lines with everything they do in, in a commercial brewery to get everything removed of any oxygen. And and when we make hazies, you have to be even more careful, especially. But uh, just that oxygen can come in and really dull things. So there's a lot of tricks you can do to, you know. Uh, remove oxygen from your uh you know from your setup there you can uh i mean some people run liquid through the lines they're going to transfer from and and just run that clean like distilled water out first and then then get the beer going and you know um or do keg to keg transfer and just make sure just purging everything really carefully uh, you know, you're using a, a fermenter that you can transfer from with light pressure. Some of those new fermenters are awesome for that. Um, but yeah, you know, I think otherwise, balance wise, maybe dial back the bitterness just a bit. Uh, it seems like a good recipe. It's just something's getting in the way here a little bit. And it's probably my fault. I just abused it. And it, it you know, bounced around in my suitcase and the car from the airport and I got it in the fridge here. But it's, you know, I, I really appreciate that you brought me the two bottles there, Eddie. We finally tasted them and judged them, and it's maybe not in the most ideal condition, but I landed at a 34 on it. It's a pretty, it's a very good American Pale Ale. It's not, wow, not you know, knock your socks off, amazing at this point. But I imagine from the keg, it, it probably tastes uh, different when it was the freshest. It, you know, when I'm first at at uh, its proper like serving time, like okay, this beer's ready, let's go. So. You know, I, I do thank you for sending it, and it was nice to hang out with you there at the conference and, uh, you know, have some uh, homebrew conviviality and, and, and fun. Conviviality. <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah. What did you score? Sisterhood, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, just like it was It was good to be back. Good. What did you score, Brian? 34. 34. Okay. All right. So we averaged to a 35, I guess, that's, which is uh, meets your standard. Yep. That's right on the cusp of me uh, caring. I'll save you a little bit. Sounds good. If you want to try it later, please do. Actually, no. If it was refrigerated all the way, I would have. I I would say yes. But uh, (laughs) sounds like you beat the thing to hell, so that's fine. Uh, Andy, do me a favor. Tell me a little bit about this beer. Let's go through the recipe. Uh, You know, do our normal stuff. Yeah, those two bottles are probably the most abused beers in history because uh, (laughs) sounds like it to get to get those there. uh, I was in the process of moving, so um, you know, I sent entries off to NHC and then I had some left over and those, those are two of them. Uh, and I was moving. So those things got driven, uh, you know, all over the East coast. Uh, I flew up to family, in New Jersey, they came with me there in my suitcase and then, uh, flown to Pittsburgh and went there and every intention of, you know, drinking them there. Uh, but, uh, like Brian said, club night, you know, got uh, a little crazy. And then, Actually, it's my fault they got left there because I, I had to um, deal with a family emergency. So I kind of ghosted Brian uh, at the end of club night and nice. just kind of took off. Good. <laughs> and yeah. uh, serves him right. Basically, wrote you do what the you beers off. Do. Yeah, I wrote the beers off and I was like, hey, just give them to whoever's at the booth or whatever. Uh, mm. But I'm glad they, they made it to, to you guys. So 
uh, it was cool to hear the comments. So those are the most abused bottles in history, uh, nice. at least and my well, brewing history, I think. Yeah. Well-traveled, though. I mean, they've been to the four yeah. different states. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, lots of suitcases, uh, lots of hot weather. So uh, I'm glad they stood up. And it sounds like they weren't terrible. So uh, I think that's, that's a win for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's drinkable. Yeah, you can mm. finish this. So this is actually... Um, Back in 2019, I did Dr. Homebrew uh, with basically the same beer uh, with just some very slight, slight tweaks. Uh, and that one won NHC that year. Uh, and that's when you talk shit on it, JP, just to remind you. Thanks. But man. Uh, so, uh, it's basically the same recipe. Uh, it's uh, a seven and a half gallon batch. And I used uh, 10 and a half pounds of two row, um, which is 73 percent three pounds of pale wheat, which is 20%, eight ounces of crystal 40, which is 4%, and then seven ounces of acidulated malt uh, to get the, uh, the the chemistry right. That ended up being 3% uh, for the hops. Uh, a quarter ounce of Warrior at 60 minutes, and then uh, one ounce each of Citroen Mosaic at five minutes. Uh, and then I did a whirlpool at 180 uh, for 15 minutes. And into that was one ounce of Citra Cryo, one ounce of Mosaic Cryo, one ounce of Idaho 7, and then one ounce of Vic Secret. Um, fermented it with uh, San Diego Super Yeast uh, with the yeast starter, uh, 68 degrees. It's a good yeast. I, I mashed, it, uh, mashed it 149. Uh, yeah, I love San Diego Super Yeast. That's a, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, fermented at 68 degrees, and then a couple days in, I threw in two ounces of mosaic. And then uh, once the fermentation was done, I did two ounces of citra and two ounces of Idaho seven for a couple days. Ah, um, uh, now it, you're just you're just taunting me with all these awesome hops. You make me want to taste the fresh beer like this. <laughs> uh, well, I've even fresh, ass, it wasn't. Uh, it was cool to see the differences. You know, because I've brewed this several times. It was cool to see the differences in the hops. They were all, you know, new hops, uh, so they weren't sitting around or anything, but they were definitely different than what the original beer was. Uh, I got a lot more uh, originally. I haven't tasted it in a while because, you know, I don't have any more, but uh, it was a lot more dank than, than my first one when I had it. And I think maybe that's probably what turned into the earthy uh, hops, maybe, uh, which you guys were tasting. Well, there, uh, yeah, there probably. is a dankness. Mm. There is a dankness here. I get that now. Yeah, for sure. And then once it started to fade, uh, I think I drank my last one a couple of weeks ago, uh, but the bitterness stuck around and the aroma, you know, and, and that flavor kind of died off a little bit. Uh, so it, a little bit out of balance to me. Uh, but I also brew this to enter into IPA category as well. So um, it's kind of right, right in the middle. Uh, and when it's fresh, it might be a little more IPA ish. Uh, but uh, yeah. And so one of the things that uh, I didn't know if you guys were going to pick up on was uh, I overcarbed it to begin with. Uh, I did what I normally do. And for some reason that that didn't work out this time uh, I was kind of in a rush. So I, I bumped up the, uh, the keg to like 45 PSI for, uh, for a day and it was just too much. And then I spent the next five days before I had to bottle it, trying to correct that. Uh, and to me, it kind of was too much. And I think it caused it to be taste a little more bitter than it should have because of that. But uh, we've all sounds been like there. it, it it mellowed out, uh, you know, so that's good. It's it's easy uh, to add carbonation. It's really hard to take it away. <laughs> yeah, I was like Googling stuff and I was, you know, uh, I always do the same thing and that's never happened. And then, you know, it's a week till NHC entries are due. And, uh, you know, of course, of course the that's what it happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I know what you're saying too about that. Uh, I call it like a pale ale and a half. It's like, bordering on IPA hops wise, but you know, kind of high end of pale ale strength wise, no matter what JP says, I really like that kind of a beer with a fresh modern hot character, good tropical. I do too. A little, <clears throat> little dank, a little balance to it. Just, you know, well, be responsible soft, with ABV. That's all soft bitterness. You can push it up to, you know, five and a half, six. Um, you know, it's still a pale ale, but it's, yeah, this it's one was mo- just it's over, mo- over six percent, so six point three. So it's point, that's too point much. one out of style, JP. Point yeah, that's one too much. Style. No, the best yeah. net for a pale ale needs to be five eight or lower. 
five nine I agree with you. six. When I go that's by too much. Them, that's what I want. But yeah. uh, I found in competitions, especially if you're later in the flight, uh, do much better if it's a little bit higher. Push it up a uh, yeah. little bit. <clears throat> I will agree, but I I think the problem is people like Brian Cooper, who <laughs> think that everything should be between six and eight percent, even when you're nope. judging, and so therefore. There's style creep. Style <laughs> creep is happening. But also, know, yeah, too, it's a weird thing. Like drinking small samples of a beer is different than quaffing a whole pint of the thing. And to be a good That's judge, right. you have to be careful to kind of avoid that bias of, oh, this is a little bit bigger. I like this better, you know. Right. Is it a is it a good pale ale? Go back to basics, you know. Does it work as an American pale ale or is it just a little too alcoholic where it should almost be an IPA? But again, some of the modern modern pale ales you get, they're, the bitterness is lower. The alcohol is a little stronger. The hops are brighter, like an IPA. You taste this next to what a classic American pale ale was fresh in the 1990s. It's a completely different animal now. You can't even get that kind of beer because it doesn't sell now <laughs> as much. You know, I mean, it, you might find one, but it's, it's yeah. Just, well, and I, yeah. I think part of the problem is, you know, when when you push a pale ale up to you know, t- kissing the IPA range, or you let an IPA fall, you know, to kissing that pale average, you get that blend. You're like, oh, I drink this. I don't know if it's one or the other. If you, if I go to the beer board and I go, give me a pale ale and it drinks like an IPA, I'm going to be unhappy. So I just, I don't know. Like, I I think, you know, brewers, home brewers as well, have always pushed the boundaries and seeing what they can get away with. But sometimes those styles land, those beers land in the high end of the category and it makes the other category too fuzzy. And then it just sort of right. like muddies the waters for me personally. But, you know, I have uh, control issues. Right. And IPAs <laughs> push toward double IPA category. It's not rare to get, you know, 7% IPAs yeah. now. And it's like, well, back in the day, that wasn't really going to fly. That would have been called a double back then. And, you know, I don't know. It's it's interesting how things have changed. And it's not my fault, JP. I really No, I know. Of have, course not. I have nothing to do with it. Yeah. Then uh, it's also not the case that a you know a Belgian pale ale should be four and a half percent. That's just your opinion. That's man. me. Yeah. Like absolutely. Uh, Look, so, everything I say is just my opinion. Nothing should change. It's just yeah. what I enjoy. Or uh, Belgian blonde ale, I meant to say. But yeah. Um. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Um. What do we think about the recipe? We think it's good. I I like the recipe. Like again, it it, it is proof to the point. You just have to smell your hops and know what you have when you're using them you might make a hop substitution at the last minute where you could be running to the homebrew store for a, a dry hop. That's going to accent what you put in, in the boil. Cause you couldn't change that out or just, you know, uh, smell it before you even get to brew day and know what you have, know what you're using. And the pros do that. I mean, they like, Oh, this boy, this batch of such, such as garlicky this time or whatever. It's, a, it's an agricultural product. It changes over time. Every crop is different. And, uh, you know, some of the new, uh, some of the new hops, I've I've had some IPAs that have tasted like peanut buttery in an odd way. And it's like, you get this, um, I I don't know if some of the New Zealand hops, but I also had one that said it was Citra and and something else, uh, uh, Simcoe that had a little peanut buttery character to it. And it's just like this odd character just stuck out and it's like, well, I'm glad I tasted a little sample of this before I put it back. It's like, oh, did the brewery just do a peanut butter beer before the this and, and not clean the lines out well i was like no it's just like something weird <laughs> in the in the hop doing that and uh yeah uh we were at doe's meeting the other night the guy from ghost town was talking about that too a little bit he's he's, he's had hops come through like that too oh, but wow. um hop it's yeah and and malt everything in beer it's agricultural products and you know the yeast shouldn't vary too much but the you know you can control your water you have yeast uh, you can get the number of cells right the yeast pitch the strain that you use should be good if you get it from a reputable source but the malt and the hops they're always going to change over the years and you know you're trusting that maltster you're trusting that hop producer to put forth a product that's going to represent what it, this is mosaic you know it's like but I, i've been to a breweries where like they had like something they got on the secondary market that was it was galaxy and it just it was just oh it smelled horrible like and when you get fresh Australian galaxy, it's like, Oh my God, that's a, such a wonderful thing. How could someone anyway, but yeah. Yeah. There's so much variation in, in freshness of the product and how it's delivered, what the crop did that year, everything. So, you know, I, 
how how did the beer do, Andy? That you entered it in in nationals or? Yeah, I think uh, it went to the. There was three rounds. I'm trying to remember, but I think yeah. there was three rounds. It, it got to the second one, I think. Um, and then in IPA, I think it was similar. Uh, made it, you know, a round or two, and then uh, got booted. It was tough, tough competition there for sure. Oh yeah, that's uh, yeah. I mean, NHC is always kind of like have to have really good beer, and then. I think there's a little bit of luck involved too. Yeah, it's a really good luck the way too. they're doing it now with the uh, the way they're they're judging now. I think it's even harder. Yeah, it's all one round, so you're basically you know preliming in place. But honestly, I didn't have a some tables I heard had rougher luck, but than others. But you know, for the most part, even the first rounds, the quality of the beers was was pretty decent because the mm-hmm. the quality of homebrewing these days compared to 10, 15, 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. It's advanced and people know, okay, I'm not going to enter NHC and win with this beer. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And when I had this, uh, you know, I already paid the entries and everything, yeah. but it, I knew it wasn't as good as what, you know, won back in 2019. But, uh, you know, at that point, committed, got to, got to try. You paid the 73 bucks. You're going to send something, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, Andy, do you have any questions for these guys? Make Brian uh, Shaw work a little bit here for a second. The, uh, I guess the, I mean, I kind of got the feedback about the hops and I mean, I know that it was kind of faded a little bit just because of, uh, time, but, um, and I got kind of the same, uh, you know, impression of like, I put all these, what should have been some tropical and I know a little, you know, the Idaho seven's kind of dank too, but then it came out a little more earthy than I wanted it to. Um, so that might've just been, I guess the hops I was using, uh, but no, I appreciate you having me on. And uh, in all seriousness, sorry, JP. Uh, if I right, had man. any left, I would have sent it. It's all good, dude. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, Don't send, worry. Just about send it. us another fresh beer sometime. We love yeah, having you on back. the show. And we'll see you at HomebrewCon next year, hopefully in San Diego. Uh, yeah, you there. Yeah. It's a longer trip for you, but uh, thanks for coming yeah. on again. And it's been fun hanging out. Yep, I appreciate it. And thanks for hauling those beers back, even though there's only two of them. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, Andy. Thanks, man. Okay. We'll let you split. Thanks, Thanks, Andy. All right, everybody else, hang on just a sec. It's Dr. Homebrew. We'll be right back. I'm sorry to tell you this, but we're going to have to pour you out. Back to Dr. Homebrew. All right, thanks for sticking around, everybody. We are back with another commercial calibration ale. I do like these segments. I feel like we've gotten away from them a little bit because it is hard to to find, you know, a lot of even semi-nationally distributed examples of the uh, style guidelines. So uh, it's a tough one. But Brian Cooper, you, you came through today. This is 805 from Firestone Walker, everybody's favorite Blondale. Well, you know, here we are in the heat of the summer. If you're in the Northwest right now, baking in 110 degree weather Mm -hmm. or the South baking in 110 degree weather with 110% humidity. Also, (laughs) you're going to want a beer like this because a, it's really refreshing. B it's really clean and C it's, it's a crowd pleaser, but it's also not Budweiser. So, you know, to people that like Budweiser, fine. Okay. Whatever. But I would rather have one of these. I would rather have something that has some flavor and, and lasts and doesn't turn into, you know, uh, I agree at the end, like warm Budweiser at the end. Yeah, I agree. So what uh, category is this in? So in the, in the, in the BGCP guidelines, they, they didn't change the, uh, the style number. Uh, 18A has been blonde ale. Uh, you know, since the, the 2015 guidelines came out, uh, but they updated them for 2021. And now uh, some of the other commercial examples, honestly, have been hard to find. I mean, other than hmm. Kona, Kona Big Wave, but, you know, uh, how often do you find the Russian River Old Blonde or the Victory Summer Love? And I mean, maybe if you're in that part of the country, one, you know, Widmer, Citrus Summer Blonde, you know, Pelican Rwanda Cream Ale. Those are examples of the style. Now, 805 is just like a, you know, it's easy to get, at least here on the West Coast. Um, I'm not sure how in other parts of the country it may be, but to it's ubiquitous out here, like for summer parties, summer, you know, mm-hmm. get togethers. Oh, yeah. You're going to, you're going to sip an 805 and enjoy the, 
you know, the 95 degree weather uh, with a lot less hum humidity out here, but it's the right beer for the time of year. So that's, that's definitely part of knowing what to drink when, and, you know, in the winter, sure, go sip a barley wine or a big brown ale or something or a winter warmer, you know, in the spring, have a Meritson or something. I was like, whatever, but my Bach, you know, but in the summer, you can attend towards these lighter beers and there's a reason they're here. There's a reason that it, the style works and uh, it's an easy drinking, approachable and refreshing. So kind of the key to the style. That's malt oriented. Not everybody likes hops. Not everybody likes pale ales, IPAs. Hey, when this comes out, it's like, okay, you know, there's some hop to it, but it's, it's not the forefront of the beer. Right. Uh, and you can get some interesting hop character to drive it different directions. It's, it's also a style that has pretty wide um, uh, variety for, you know, uh, room for interpretation of the style. You can add almost any hop to a blonde ale. And it's, again, it's not in the forefront. It's, it's kind of there to balance the malt and give you a little something and, uh, you know, keep yeah. it refreshing, keep it light, but have a little, you know, okay, this is a craft beer. This is not a, a pale, watery, fizzy yellow beer. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, Cooper, why don't you start with the uh, with the calibration, man? Let's go through the style guideline, run this beer through it, and see if it matches up. Okay. And, and if so, how? So uh, appearance-wise, they can go from light yellow to deep gold. This one's this one's approaching pretty deep gold, and actually, it's a it's a it's got a little more uh, depth of color and and uh, uh, you know even I think maybe a little more body than some of them some of them have. Yeah. Uh, Jordan in the chat says you got to find this beer fresh, and I definitely guarantee I, I definitely agree yeah. with that. Should yeah, always be clear for sure. Yeah, I watched out for the the bottle uh, uh, date, and these were bottled on on six six. This so is they're a little over you know a month and a half old. This is one of those. Them. Yeah, this is one of those beers that I think it's okay to sift through the back of the you know of mm. the of the shelf to get the the fresher date because there are going to be people who don't care. They're going to yeah. buy it anyway. You this, don't do that for every beer you buy? No, I don't. I do it for Sierra Nevada. Yeah, so I got in the cold part of the grocery store. I, and got, this. I bought cold beer. Yeah. And I got the stuff that was out of the light. I went one back, but then I went further back, and there was nothing fresher than 6.6. Six, so I just went for this. See? And, uh, yeah. My man laughing because he knows. Yeah, it's uh, mm -hmm. definitely definitely okay to do that for, for this. I, I agree. Yeah. Well, I mean, I agree. So, I said it. So, you know. In the aroma, uh, it's gonna have a, you know, a little white head, reasonably good retention. Um, should be brilliant though. You want it to be clear. It's always got to be clear. This is not something that you can forgive a bunch of hop haze in. It's not a hoppy no. beer. It's it's gonna be clear. Some of them might be filtered, but it's gonna look nice in the glass, and uh, you know, just shine with a bright kind of gold or yellow highlight to it in the summer light, you know, uh, aroma wise, you know, you're going to, it's mostly malt, a nice little sweet malt, a little breadiness, a little caramel. Sometimes that's optional. Um, it, it's an ale, so you can have a little, little esteriness to it. It can be a little bit fruity, but that's not really the focus. Uh, you know, you get the hop again, can vary a lot. You can have almost no hop to a moderate hop aroma in there with the malt. And any any variety is fair game. It's not like they're going to twist these towards. Oh well, we need to use this fancy tropical new hop in here. You can get by with a pretty basic uh, classic hop. Anything citrusy, floral, fruity, anything just bright and or even a little spicy. Sometimes you're going to use something that's going to just play with that malt that's there and accent it a little bit, but not overpower it. And the flavor, a lot of the same things. It's malty, bready, little biscuit sometimes, a little toast, a little wheat. Um, it's not like an American pale ale. It's not going to, you know, be uh, super, well, you can have a little toast, but it's not going to be super caramely, for example, or, you know, too toasty rich. Mm -hmm. uh, it just needs to be an easy, smooth drinker, mostly base malt accented with some light kind of specialty malts if you you know, you want to keep it towards blonde so you can't get too crazy with those or it's going to turn into an amber ale. Um, but this is, is, it's on the darker side, but it's not bordering on an amber ale flavor profile either. So, yeah, um, you know, the, the hops shouldn't be super aggressive. The malt shouldn't be super aggressive. 
but they should be kind of in balance and, and, you know, neither one of them is super aggressive, but just working with each other, playing off each other a little bit and get, get a, get a nice balance where, Oh, it's just drinkable. Um, the bitterness should be pretty much out of the way, kind of medium low ish. Um, you know, keep the balance kind of towards the malt or, or even, um, it's going to finish towards the dry side, but not bone dry. You want to have a little bit of sweetness to play off the malt in a beer like this. Um, and it's, you know, sometimes it's just the, the bitterness is out of the way. So the sweetness can actually shine through with the malts that you have there. Whereas if you have a pale ale, sometimes the bitterness can cover up that sweetness that is there, but you're not just, you're just not tasting it the same way. And it's just, you know, similar dryness, kind of semi-dry to, you know, pale ales can go drier, but I guess I'm just, I find myself comparing it to a, a pale ale because that's the hmm. hoppier version of a style. And, you know, typically when you would use, used to go to the, the classic brew pub, you would go in the nineties, everybody always had a blonde ale. Everybody always had a pale ale. Yes. Some, sometimes <clears throat> they'd have an IPA. Usually they'd have a porter and they'd usually have a stout. Yeah, if but, they had five beers, that's what they'd have. Blondale was was ubiquitous. It was and everywhere. That, the Blondale was yeah. what people would come in and say, "Oh, well, do you have uh, do you have Budweiser or, or do you have uh, Coors?" And they said, "No, but we have um, this is our Blondale. Do you want to try this?" And most people, you, it's a, such an approachable beer and good summery, you know. And a light lager is a good summer drinking beer too. If you want to go towards that lighter end and and the you know, some of the mass marketed beers, they're well-made. They're carefully crafted to taste exactly the same every time. And they're served very cold. They're very highly carbonated. This is a little less, you know, it's it can have medium to high carbonation, but it's a little, a little bolder and a little more flavorful. But someone that likes that kind of a beer can still drink it and enjoy it. Um, it's never heavy. It's just a nice smooth drinker for for this kind of weather in here in july in california yeah so that's what you'd go go in and ask for oh do you have a light lager well this is an ale but it's it has you know lighter flavors i will say i keep getting more malt out of these i mean what what are you what are you tasting brian tell me what yeah there's a little toastiness to this i think that's that's kind of nice i was wondering if there was some vienna malt or something in here from a uh, from a malt standpoint, because we were talking about the color, I think this even goes past gold into almost like a really light amber or something like that. Uh, I mean, that's reasonable minds can argue about that, and it's also really hard to, uh, without a standardized glass, to figure out what color something is. But to me, that's consistent with having maybe a few percent of a something like a Vienna. Uh, you know what it is? A hint of a pale chocolate. We, we don't know. Yeah. Honey malt. Taste That's it again. Recipe. It's honey yeah. malt. Okay. I, That's I, just your I intuition? Don't I don't, I don't you, think so. You know. Uh, I, uh, well, I can't remember. I know it used to be in there at least, and I, I want to say that Matt took it out, but I don't think that that is true. I think it's still in there. But it used to be honey malt, and I it, for me it, it tastes like honey malt. So I, I, I'm going to say I'm 95% sure that there's honey malt in there. I don't think it's a Vienna. Because I remember I mean, I, when I we were talking you, JP, about this. Yeah, honey, honey malt tends to come across to me really – it tends to stale really quick, so it tends to get cardboardy, and it tends to have a prominent honey flavor but not in a good way. And maybe just the tiny – if they use a tiny hint of it, as Firestone Walker. Yeah. So they do things the right way. And they're probably, you know, shipping cold, trying to keep it cold all the way, minimizing oxidation. Uh, I mean, it's possible. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it used to have it. I know that for a fact. But like I said, I want okay. I, I want to say that maybe they took it out. Um, but well, I don't I'm know. On their website now, I have the inside scoop. These right. are the ingredients. What they is use it? hops, malts, oh, shit. yeast. And water. Okay, so so we're wrong. Not just not just one malt. (laughs) Yeah, right. Multiple malts. Just one big kernel of malt. I can't fault them for that. But also, they don't market this as a blonde ale. It's just eight oh five. It's a California, you know. Yeah, which I think they did. Which they did on. I know they 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 changed that marketing, which I think was smart. Because because like like we were saying in the late nineties, early two thousands. 
you're getting, you know, blonde ale and people started to turn on that term. And I think that's smart. Yeah. They state specifically in a lot of places too, that the beer likes to be put down cold. So that's definitely a part of the style. You don't want to let it warm up too much as you're drinking it, or it's going to change on you a little bit. It's going to be a little bolder. It's it plays well cold. There's not a lot of bitterness here. There's no bite. It's smooth. It's, it's fairly malty. This one, um, other Blondales will be a little lighter on the malt and have a little more hop to them. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting a ton of hop. I think there's a little, a little spicy quality, a little floral quality to the hop, but it's not citrusy. It's not tropical. It's not dank or resiny. It's just, it's, it's, it's the light kind of noble hop quality that you get in European beers. Yeah. It's there to support the malt. It's not there to be the showcase. Exactly. So, I mean, these days to, to stick around, you can't just market things the same way we did in the 90s and the early aughts. It's, it's craft mm-hmm. beer has changed a lot, and, and they're doing a smart job of marketing this beer, but it's actually also just a really good, clean beer that, that's easy drinking, very approachable for a lot of people, and good for the season. So, you know, I bet they sell a lot of this in the summer. Oh, they, yeah. this is all the expansion you see at Firestone is because of this beer. And at one point they were, they were, I don't know if they're doing it anymore, but they were going to have just one brewery just to make 805. Well, they've started also making an 805 Cerveza, which I find interesting. Maybe we should have maybe done it side by side. I didn't like it. It has like that hint of lime and I just, I think that ruined it for me. I didn't like it. I had it once like, "Eh, it's not very good. And that's a 4.5. The the, the 805, the regular 805 is a 4.7%. We even market that survey says like pretty low calories, 110 calories. Uh, I imagine this was probably 120-ish or something. You know, it's not not heavy. It's not not too big. But uh, you know, the 805 original, it's 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 meant to be <sighs> drank cold and enjoyed uh, yeah. as we're enjoying it on a fairly warm summer evening here. But in the daytime, it's party. Okay. You know, <laughs> it's a warm summer beer. What? Uh, okay, so we left off at what uh, malt? The flavors. No, I was I was into mouthfeel. Mouthfeel, okay, all right. Um, you're welcome to take over, Brian. That, you know, we're and Brian. What do you taste? I'm fine. You know, I I taste. You know, I I've been thinking about this honey malt thing. Um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a sip here again. Do it, baby. Did when I have just some dead air without an explanation. Hmm. You know, I don't get a lot of hop flavor. There's low hop bitterness. It's definitely there. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I think you're right. It's not Vienna. I was thinking it was maybe I, I was getting maybe a toastier character earlier, but the more I drink of it, I'm not. And maybe it is just like a varietal of honey malt that isn't as is at a at a level that's just right to give you a little bit of flavor without being too much. Yeah, I think it's a kiss of honey malt, and I I think that's where you're getting that. Because I used to put honey malt in my yogurt when I worked at More Beer. I'd just go grab a handful and like throw it in. It was very good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it, and, and at a low level, it's it's enough. You, it's it's one of those yeah. malts that you do not need a whole lot of. And I, and you know I, how homebrewers like we do. We judge homebrew, yeah. a lot of the time, and. You know how homebrewers like to just go, I'm going to use this ingredient, so I'm going to use a lot of it, so I really taste it. So you have people putting in, you know, two pounds of special bee in a five-gallon batch of beer, or I'm going to put in two gallons of honey malt. Um, so, you know, homebrewers can go a little overboard, just to, and that, that's cool. But, you know, Firestone Walker's not going not gonna to do that. Yeah, I don't really get any no. hop flavor. No. Uh, this is, but this is not going to be, I mean, what is the, what are the guidelines? They call this like a... a perhaps similar to a maltier example of Kolsch. <laughs> you know, more flavor than American lager huh. and cream ale. So what do you think I about think what do you think about that? Hoppier version of a Kolsch? I, I what don't do you what do you think that. about that? I, I think it's one, I don't believe that. I don't know. Cooper, what do you think? Well Blondale in general, it's it's a it's meant to be to compete with the light lagers and usually made at breweries where they, they either don't have the the you know jacketed conical conicals with the glycol system to power a, a a lager in the summer or the patience or time to you know to make a lager, um, you know and they're and they're making and this is again kind of talking old days, um, you know 
they make a light ale, maybe at a slightly lower temperature ferment, so it's not super fruity. Um, it could be a little Kolsch-like, but it would have to be lighter than than this one is to to play in that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. This one plays like a, a malty light, you know, almost more like a uh, a lager version of, or a, sorry, an ale version of like a, uh, a light, maybe a lighter, slightly lighter, uh, you know, uh, Dos Amber or something like that. Like, a, <laughs> you know, you're trying to make a, 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 a slightly amberish Mexican lager into an ale, for example. And like, oh, this, huh, is, what, okay. this is what we got. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know what they're going for with the recipe. I'd love to talk to him about that someday. But, um, you know, you, some of them even use adjuncts. They'll use sugar or, you know, rice or corn, lighten up the body and get it really light as most american light lagers are made uh but as things go along you know maybe they're you know blonde ale is not something you find at a lot of breweries anymore it used to be back in the day you'd find them all over the place and now although you know of course kona big wave golden ale that's that's a popular beer you go to the islands you're going to have some of those and or here there you know you get up you get that nice blonde ale that's you know Oh, I like you feel like Yeah, they're here and there, but they're not they're yeah, not you, you it's not what that. it was. Right. And it's interesting in the flavor, looking at the guidelines, uh it talks about you know light to moderate hop flavor, any variety, but shouldn't be overly aggressive. Medium low to medium bitterness, but the balance is normally toward the malt or even between malt and hops. So you know, maybe hmm. there's just some hop flavor and this is just still too cold for me to get that. But the fact that this is coming across to me as maltier than hoppier than bitter is a, a feature of the style hmm. and i think that having some additional malt complexity one of the things i didn't like about blonde ales that you'd get in a brew pub and it, aside from the fact a lot of places just kind of crapped them out and didn't take a lot of care with them because it wasn't what they were as brewers excited about making well and, and that there wasn't a lot to hide behind compared to the styles exactly. of porters or ipas and such that, that's exactly right. But I think part of the reason why those beers were just uninteresting and you know, and, and kind of died out was they were just very one-dimensional. There wasn't a lot to yeah. them. They were like a like a, a ale version of an American lager. And they're just it, it wasn't that that tasty. This beer has, you know, if it's the honey malt or whatever other malts, maybe a hint of caramel malt might be in here. I don't know, probably not. But <laughs> now you're just doubting yourself with everything. Well, yeah, now I'm starting to uh, wonder what, I, what I'm thinking. But there's yeah. enough malt complexity in here to carry this beer. Yeah, well, I think that's what makes it so unique and so popular. Yeah, It's because exactly. it's not just a boring-ass blonde ale. It has some power to it. Yeah, I mean, exactly. most people these days, they've tasted IPAs. They've tasted a porter or a stout here or there. And they, that might not be their style, but you, you can handle something with a little more malt in it whereas yeah if this came out in 1970 and you all of a sudden were putting that here you go try this it's a blonde ale they'd be like whoa that's malty that's heavy that's bit it's but it's not none of the above it's it's light it's approachable it's drinkable and now people are more cultured you know craft beer is a known thing people that don't know about it have lived under a rock for 30 years that's right um all right, so well, what do we think? Are we is that is that if we run through the whole descriptor? Yeah, I mean, think well, to we, make this a classic Blondale, you'd want to lighten it up a little bit. Like, yeah. like Brian said, it's a little towards the deep gold side, and you know, it's it's not just to golden. Um, and you know, you could up the hop a little bit, but again, I don't think they're marketing this, nor did they probably ever intend to be in the style guidelines as a, an American Blondale as an example of it. But it's an eminently mm-hmm. clean, smoothly drinkable beer that's that's approachable for what it is. It's it leans towards the um, the richer end for the style, malt wise and color wise, and that's fine. It, the balance is right. It's nice and dry. They're using some some kind of specialty malt in there that we we can't identify just by taste alone, mm-hmm. but that gives it, I think, a little toastiness and mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's honey like, but it might be it might be honey malt. Well. Here's the thing. If this was on your judging table, would you would would you say that it's not a blonde ale because of that sort of honey, you know, there's that Vienna slash honey malt flavoring? Would that throw you when you go, wait a minute, what's going on? Would you mark it down for that? 
when I'm judging the, a blonde ale, I allow for a lot of variation. So it's, you know, as you taste a lot of, you know, a number of them, not, not as many anymore, but, you know, as you taste blonde ales, you realize some of them are going to get darker. Sometimes the brewery just has to boil things a little harder in the way their, their brewery works. The beers just get a little darker, but they're just using base malt and maybe a little tiny bit, especially something, you know, and then they'll push different hops up in it. I would say, you know, this one, you could, you could get away with adding a little more hop. Would it make it better if the mm. hop was working with the malt that's there? Mm. Yes, but this one plays a little more towards the malty side, and that's the way the balance lies. And it's eminently drinkable. It's enjoyable when it's nice and cold as it is now. I'm gonna finish this pint. It's a, it's a good <laughs> solid beer. Don't dodge my, yeah. don't and dodge my guideline? question. Shar, you answer the question then. I'm going to answer the question. Yeah, thanks. Because the guidelines say at the very beginning, initial, some styles are very rigid in what you're allowed to have, and some styles are not. And this falls to me in that category. The flavor description begins initial soft maltiness, but can also have light character malt flavor, e.g. bread, toast, biscuit, wheat. Caramel flavors usually absent. If present, there are typically low-color caramel or honey notes. So that's, okay. you know, caramel or honey okay. are okay. And there, this, what this is signaling is there's a lot of different flavors that can go into this. Uh, and there are other characteristics that are more important. You know, I think for me, it's, if this is the, the lead commercial example, and I, I have no doubt that it should be, the guidelines probably, and, and the guidelines need to be updated to reflect the fact that the color can be a little darker than they initially said. And that's fine. You know, the guidelines are always a moving target. They're always a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they're a snapshot of something at a point in time. It doesn't mean they're defective or people did a bad job. It's just, it's the nature of how beers change. I mean, I've had 805 a while back. I don't remember it tasting like this, you know, when it was first introduced. I think mm. it was a little bit different maybe a few years ago. That may just be my personal recollection. But if I... Yeah, probably my my first inclination, if I this came to me at the judging table and I was doing blonde ale, I'd be like, this is not a blonde ale. And then I'd whip out the guidelines and say, wait a second, I just didn't understand what a blonde ale was. <laughs> so did he answer your question better than I did, or did he just kind of say what I No, said? none of you guys, none of you answered the question, but that's fine. <clears throat> well, actually, Brian, you sort of, Char, you sort of did. And the question was basically, you know, if you can't, if this crossed your table, would you think it fit the style or not? So I think Char sort of did. Initially, I probably would say no. Yeah. And then I look at the guidelines again, like maybe I'm having, because I don't, I don't judge Blondale a lot. I don't think I have in the last 10 years. Um, and you know what? It, just because I have a certain rank doesn't mean I know everything. And it doesn't mean that I've Hold memorized every, every edition of the style guidelines. That is not what you uh, told me before we started this show. <laughs> well, so. I, I, of course, I'm going to, I want you to think, JP, that I know everything. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, but I, I mean, will, it's not yeah. not everyone can possibly know everything, and kind of my first and this that's just how I I judge. My first inclination is if something seems off, I will take a look, and and not like the kind of off where I'm judging stouts and I get something that looks like a light lager. Yeah. Uh, if something the kind of off where this doesn't seem quite like it fits, then I'm going to whip out the guidelines and I'm going to check, and I'm willing to be to be wrong in my initial impression mm-hmm. and then go back and look at the actual guidelines that govern the competition and say, wait a second. Okay. I didn't know this about this style because I haven't judged it in a decade. So now I'm Now I learned something. Yeah. What a lawyer. Well, mm-hmm. and I, I wanted to point something out real quick because you, you mentioned it as being the, the lead off example of the style. Well, the, the commercial uh, examples are uh, listed alphabetically by brewery in the guidelines. Ah, uh, I did not know that. See, every I, I example, learned something just now. <laughs> yeah, no, every time you, and it has been since 2015, they used to be ordered differently. Uh, just out of fairness to the breweries, every one of the examples that that is in there is a commercial example of the style, but it starts with F, Firestone Walker, then it goes to K, Kona, and then, you know, yeah. Um, you know, Kona was the first one in the last set of guidelines because there was nothing before K. But uh, you know, it goes on to Real Ale, Russian River, uh, Victory, and Widmer. So it's just alphabetical. Widmer isn't even around I anymore. I thought the lead example was the one that was supposed to be the most 
in line with the style. And I've been wrong all these years. Wow. You're welcome. I, I need that drink. <laughs> yeah. Whitmere isn't even around anymore. How are they going to, why don't they just update that and take them out? Good point. Thanks, man. I, um, I, around? I, I don't know. I thought, weren't they? I don't know. Didn't they? Who well, knows? I thought Pyramid was gone, but I guess someone's Pyramid's still gone. making Pyramid. Really? They are. Okay. Or something about the brand. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, some, clearly somebody bought the brand. Good beer. Um, you know, not what I would consider a Blondale, but I think like Cooper was saying, that's probably the reason why they took Blondale off the label. I don't know. Um, but I think it is a little more toasty, a little more honey malt than than what I would consider a Blondale. But great beer nonetheless. And, you know, sometimes uh, I think this is one of those styles that can push the boundaries a little bit and get away with it because it's yeah. so crisp and clean and, and just um, stripped down. We, should, we shouldn't write off Widmer either. The, they are still around, mm. although I know they closed their um, their tap house in Portland. They're like kind of flagship. Uh, yep. That's probably what uh, They were acquired by Anheuser-Busch, who also mm-hmm. bought its parent company, Craft Brew Alliance, in 2019. Oh, yeah. There you go. So it's, you know. There you go. Woodmer Hef, it's still out there. You can All get right. it. They brew a lot of it, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Probably that's it, too. All right, hang on, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Dr. Homebrew. Now, back to the examination. All right, thanks for sticking around, everybody. We're about to wrap things up here. Thank you very much to Andy for sending in a pale ale that I didn't have to choke down. Uh, <laughs> it was on its last legs, but it was not yeah. too bad. No, I'm I just did. giving him, I'm harassing him for not sending many. That's right. It would have been better if I drank it with him at, at Homebrew Con, but yeah. alas, that wasn't to happen. Because right. He had to, he had to split, and uh, I, I rescued it, and I brought it to you, Brian. There and you you're go. welcome. Again. And thank you. I appreciate getting that indirectly. That was really nice of you. <laughs> but it was nice to talk to Andy, and I got to hang out yeah, with him man. at Homercon with Cruise Around Club Night uh, while he was still there, and uh, yeah. caused some trouble with the uh, the Cleveland people. And, oh, fight them, dude! Fight the Cleveland people. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. There's a couple of good clubs out there, but um, yeah. Cool, man. It, it was well, fun. great. And thanks to um, you know the close personal friend of the show, Matt Brennelson, for hand delivering this 805 um well to the grocery store for cooper to hmm. you know buy but <laughs> well, it's, it's pretty fresh and that speaks to me when you find a beer where like the oldest example you can find is only a month or so old yeah it means to me that that beer is moving and people enjoy it and appreciate it and kudos to matt for for brewing a quality product coming up with a recipe that's not fizzy yellow beer in the least it's 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 bold but it's approachable and I like that. That's right. When, whenever I text Matt, I get a new phone who dis. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Is, oh. uh, Stop sending pictures yeah. of your wiener and maybe you'll. Uh, is, is that the problem? That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, He's changed a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and if anyone wants to send us a beer, uh, be it a fizzy yellow beer or a mead or a cider or kombucha, email me, brian at thebrewingnetwork.com. Again, I'll repeat, I'm not a patent lawyer, nor do I play one on TV. Uh, but send us your beer, cider, mead, kombucha, wine, what have you. Uh, yeah, We'll drink just about anything that's a fermented beverage that isn't poisonous. And um, thank you for sending the beers that you have. And we have some more beers coming next month. And that's maybe right. some more commercial calibrations. Put your votes in the chat and uh, on the comments under the you know, you can stuff. Email Brian at the brewing network.com for anything. Cause no one's going to ever read those. Interweb. Yeah, please send yeah. your Indian patent spam to me. Make a TikTok <laughs> video right. requesting that we do uh, a certain commercial style and we'll try to do it. If we find that TikTok video. Yeah, for sure. It's hard to find the, the certain commercial styles. And I think we have to, you know, we, we started the whole seggy to try to find nationally distributed or easily found style. So everybody can be joining. If you're in, Ohio or Florida or Jersey or, you know, Oregon, you could, you know, join in and, and do this. But I think it's becoming harder to to know. I mean, first of all, I don't know what 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 well, beers are found. But as everything sort of condenses and collapses in on itself, 
it's becoming yeah. harder and harder. I mean, there's certain craft breweries, mega craft breweries that still do that. You know, I mean, Sierra yeah. Nevada has East Coast and West Coast. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. right, Russian River, right? Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It's it's becoming. You have to <laughs> brew locally. You have to, you know, drinking beer locally, finding a good craft beer brewery that is making a really good version of a style locally is the best way to taste it. And there's going to be some variation and allow for that. But you can read through the guidelines and say, oh, okay, this is an interesting version of this style. And it meets it. And the balance is leaning this way as the 805 leaned a certain way. And, um, you know, we enjoy it here on the West Coast. If it traveled to the East Coast, would it, would it taste the same? They don't have a brewery out there no. that I know of yet. But maybe they'll work on that. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? All right. We're going to get out of here, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in. And, of course, uh, until next time, we'll see you later.